Welcome into the second season, episode 13 of the Sabermetrics Podcast. My name is Bill. Alongside me, as always, is Walt. And we have a special guest today. I'm super excited about this. I've been thinking about this for, man, months we've been talking about this. Dylan Griffin is back on the podcast. I'm super excited to get into, uh, you know, all the draft and Sabres prospects stuff. But first of all, Dylan, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on the show. Oh, thanks for coming. Uh, Walt, I mean, obviously can't forget about you. How you doing, man? Uh, doing pretty good. Looking forward to talking about some Russian prospects and some Sabres Russian prospects and some draft stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. This is like uh, Christmas in July. Um, just a quick reminder for anyone, uh, the Charging Buffalo um, draft guide is coming out, I believe, Sunday. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Walt. Sunday, uh, the yeah, 3rd. Sunday at 1. At 1, Yep. And so keep an eye out for that. I'm so excited for that too, man. I'm, I, that's what I'm going to be reading all Sunday. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, but let's get right into it. And first is some interesting news. I guess I'll kind of hand this over to you, Walt, uh, because it just came out today where a Flyers prospect who was playing for CSKA Moscow was detained because essentially he was trying to go to the NHL. And he's essentially getting threatened, if I'm not mistaken, with military service and possibly entering the war that's ongoing over there can you kind of chat about that for a little bit here and just kind of explain what's going on yeah basically like Ivan Fedotov a Russian goalie prospect of the Philadelphia Flyers was arrested in Russia uh he didn't fulfill his military service and he's planning on leaving his contract with CSK Moscow and planning to join the Flyers in July so I mean this is definitely an interesting situation that's uh, I mean, just unfolded today, and I mean, I guess we have Dylan on with us today, so I mean, we'll probably get more into this later, but yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of stuff to talk about in today's episode in regards to Russian prospects in this year's draft. For sure, and I mean, I guess, Dylan, um, you know, what's your initial reaction? Is this something that possibly could be seeing a little bit more? Is it this specific team? Because I think I saw something about CSKA Moscow being a like one of those teams where it's technically like a military, like kind of like the Soviet Union uh, team back in like 1980s. And, you know, that was so dominant. They were technically part of the army. Is that kind of what's going on? Just a little bit of insight for people that might not be um, too familiar with what's going on over there. Yeah, so they uh, do require like military service. Uh, I believe uh, Scott St. Petersburg do as well. Um, So that's kind of the two teams to be looking out for. But as for like younger players, because Fedotov, I believe, is like, 25 maybe older maybe younger i'm not totally sure but um for like younger players teenagers still they typically have uh like since they're students they don't have to do their military service so like uh parker poltzpah for example i believe he's still young enough that he has that student privilege um so for him for him for example he wouldn't have to worry about like having to do it before coming over and draft eligible players as well but it's like the older players who are no longer students they they're supposed to do their military service before they leave i'm i don't know i'm told, i'm just reading about it it's, very, it's all ducky it's all bad so yeah it's not not a great look for you know everyone involved um it does make a little bit more sense that it is maybe like an older prospect who you know the flyer still had his rights and everything like that um Poltipov, like you mentioned is on that team as well I w- that was something or i guess technically part of that organization he did play some games and we will get into that um you know with cska but um, I think at this point it's just kind of a you know wait and see situation with with what's going on there since it's so fresh, but definitely interesting. Um, you know, 
it's just another reason why people could be a little bit a little bit hesitant when drafting um, Russians. But at the same time, it's you know this is an older player, and and the guys you would be drafting are you know eighteen, maybe nineteen if it's an overage or stuff like that. So I think you're going to this isn't going to be a norm is what you're trying to say and what i'm trying to say is like it's just a really bad look and i i mean obviously russia doesn't necessarily care about bad looks but um you know i i think it's going to be a few and far between um especially when it comes to not many teams requiring military service because that's just i mean that's just such a different dynamic than what we see over in north america i mean that's just not even a concept we even think of i mean you just you can't imagine like, hey, Connor McDavid can't play for the Oilers this year because he has to go serve in the Canadian Army. Like, that's just not a thing. Um, so that's just uh, an interesting part of that dynamic. Um, but let's get into some of those Sabres prospects, I guess. No better time than the present. Um, I was going to start with Kisikov, but since we were talking about Poltapov a little bit, um, he played in all three leagues this year, the MHL, the VHL, and the KHL. Um, what did you see in all three leagues, if you just happen to see or, you know, specific games that you saw that he was able to improve upon his, I guess, power forward, but still had some slick hands kind of, um, I shouldn't say stereotype, but that's just kind of how he was described. What have you seen him improve upon? Um, is it just making those skills of being a power forward and uh, driving the net really hard? Did he just get even better with those or is he you know, working on his agility and hands or his shot. I just kind of wanted to see where he has progressed over the year. Yeah, so I mostly saw him in the VHL, and then I caught him in some uh, MHL playoff games. And, I mean, he just kind of is continuing what he's doing uh, from last year, uh, just playing. Like, he's constantly driving to the net. He's using his hands more this year. Last year was kind of in flashes. Uh, it was at the U18s, I believe, where... He was just like dangling every single person he saw in front yeah. of him, and he wasn't really doing that uh, in the MHL. But this year, I mean, he's not like going crazy overhandling the puck. He's still playing the same kind of game of just attack the net, but he's using using the skills a bit more. Uh, he has that advantage, and then obviously he has the strength. Uh, being the power forward, he is he'll just he doesn't care. He'll take anybody on one on one. He'll just go right at you, which is to a fault at sometimes, um, but not really enough to where it's like an issue in his game. Uh, and then he continues to be a really strong four checker. Uh, it's just more refined now playing full time in men's leagues compared to the MHL where you can kind of get away being a bit less eager to get the puck on the four check because MHL defenders will probably just pass the puck to you anyway. <laughs> uh, he actually has to kind of put that work in now and uh, it's been working out for him. His He was off to a pretty hot start in the VHL, I believe. I think he had like, I think he was over point per game in like his first five games, and they kind of slowed down, moved up to the KHL, and don't believe got a point there. No. Um, so I think the production will come with him. It's just kind of adding more strength as he goes. The skating will improve more and more with the more more strength he adds on. Um, so I'm, I mean, I'm a fan of him. I've been keeping on him all year, and he's just been really solid. Just the points aren't there yet for him. Yeah, I mean, like you said, zero points um, in the KHL, but I think it's he played 17 games, and you don't get 17 games by accident. Obviously, he's doing something right. Um, as you mentioned, he did start off pretty hot, but he ended uh, in 25 games with three goals and four assists in the VHL, um, and in 13 games, five goals and 10 assists for 15 points in the MHL. 
where in the playoffs in the MHL, uh, 19 games, 7 goals, 11 assists for 18 points. So essentially a point per game in the playoffs. Um, so that's kind of what you want to see from, you know, second round pick. Uh, you know, Power Forward is good to hear that he's, you know, still doing the things that have made him successful and, and the um, improvement, I guess you'd say, of his, you know, picking his spots of, uh, you know, going full out on uh, the forecheck, I guess you'd say, is instead of just, expecting to get the puck on the forecheck is learning that you need to attack in certain angles or, you know, choose your spots better. Um, especially when you're, you know, playing in the VHL and the KHL, I think that's valuable learning experience, uh, for him. Is there anything upcoming, I guess, for, you know, this, this summer, maybe something he would, you'd want him to work on a little bit more that he could improve. Um, you know, what is maybe his dynamic for the, the CSKA team next year, um, I would assume he'll probably bounce between the VHL and the KHL, just kind of like an outlook for him before we move on. Uh, yeah, I think the main thing with him is just improving his finishing. Uh, he is really good at getting high danger chances, but just he's more like a scrappy player and like in the net front rather than like a clinical finisher. Okay. And I don't really think he's going to be like a, a high scoring player ever. I just think it's more so taking advantage more of what he is getting. Um, so that'd be probably the main thing for him. And then, yeah, probably just bouncing between VHL, KHL. Um, I don't think he'll really get much time at all in the MHL next year. And especially with like how, how many uh, non-Russians are leaving the KHL, I'm sure there's going to be more, more chances for him uh, with the main team. I, instead of just getting like four minutes a game like he has been <laughs> right i think that was going to be something i guess maybe i was going to have ask after but I, we can get into it right now is that going to be is this going to be a major shot to the khl because they're widely considered the second best league in the world and now you have a ton of i mean no literally pretty much no one out outside of russia is going to be playing in that league for a while um i mean is that is that really going to take a shot and do you think maybe liga or the shl um would maybe overtake the, the KHL is the second best league in in the world. Oh, for sure. Um, there's yeah. so much talent that's gone now, and I mean, honestly, uh, Liga and SHL are already like neck and neck with KHL, and now it's like losing all this talent. Every single good player, pretty much, is out of the league, and then even like some Russians are leaving now. Like the big one was Andre Kuzmenko. He was like the best player in the league, and he's gone now as well. So. Yeah. And I mean, speaking uh, of speaking of, I'm sorry to maybe cut you off there, but I mean, speaking of Russians that are leaving, I guess it was a little bit of a shock when Alexander Kisikov signed his entry level contract. And it sounds, I mean, all intents and purposes are he's going to be over here and, and starting with Rochester. Um, I guess it was a pretty good segue, so that's why I pounced on it. Um, what have you seen from him this year? He played uh, 51 games in the MHL. He played four games in the KHL. Um, so I mean, that's you know something less than Poltapov, but um, you know, what did you see him improve upon? It wasn't really a points improvement. He was still over a point a game. Um, but what did you see him, you know, progress with to the point where the Sabres are like, all right, I think it's time to bring him over and, and start getting him transitioned onto North American ice. And on top of that, how do you think he will transition? Cause he's more of a smaller, quick, shifty, dynamic player that it, it's going to be tough, like hard checking wise when it comes to a smaller ice surface. But he has, you know, the the hands and the the quick feet to to maybe adapt to that. So just kind of take it away with with Alexander Kisikov here. Yeah. So with him, unfortunately, I didn't see a lot of improvement 
Um, there's a lot of areas in his game when he was drafted that I saw like the potential, and he's so close in all these all these different areas. And I don't think he took really any of them to the next level this year. And um, I just watching him, it just felt like I was watching the same player as I was last year. Just the same, um, just not really reading the ice very well. Uh, just kind of forcing plays. He has flashes of being a good playmaker, flashes of being able to finish, and then you know next shift he kind of disappears. Um, but yeah, it's all gonna be kind of how he builds off that speed, how he controls his speed because he is really good at uh, maintaining pace with his edges. He'll get around guys going full speed, and he won't he won't let up at all. Um, but I think the main thing that you know led to him getting signed was probably just what is going on uh in Russia and then also the fact that he wasn't really getting any chances uh, in in higher leagues because they do have a, a VHL team but they didn't send him there at all um yeah. so probably just because he was a second round pick you know they want to kind of be more hands on with him uh, compared to Poltopov who played all three leagues and was playing primarily in men's leagues uh yeah. spent almost the entire year junior so yeah. get him over to the AHL let him play against men see what he can do you know, he'll obviously have to add physicals. He's still listed as 150 pounds, so oh um, that's a bit worrying. <laughs> so, Time to bring back Dalton uh, Smith and throw him on his other wing, and boom, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, if you don't know who uh, Sabres legend Dalton Smith is, he was the guy that was uh, signed and called up for, I think, a grand total of like a minute on the ice. He tried to fight a couple of Tampa Bay Lightning guys, and he just never played for the Sabres again. Um, yeah, yeah, perfect. Like- yeah. Eight points a year in the ECHL, and they gave him an entry level contract at like twenty eight. It was so bad. It was so bad. But um, it sounds like Kay Alexander Kisikov. Sorry, this isn't like a Dalton Smith smashing comp, uh, like you know podcast. I mean, it's not yeah, I mean, I, I I like Dalton. I mean, I'm happy for Dalton Smith, but that'd be yeah. the one of the dumbest moves in Sabres history, and that's yeah. saying something because it's the Sabres. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, it sounds like Alexander Kisikov is more of a. It sounds like he's like a transition player. You know how. Um, I mean, this is kind of I'm kind of reaching in the bag here, but a lot of people were really excited about Brandon Montour because he was such a great transition defenseman. But when it came to like the half court, or I guess half, excuse me, not half court, half ice defense, half ice offense, it's like, ugh. is that kind of the same concept with Kisikov here, where like he get he gets some space and he's able to use his speed and he can get the puck down there? Because I've seen clips of him flying down the wing, and um, I mean, it's it's not like he has like earth-shattering speed but i mean he, he has a, plays with a lot of pace and like you said um you know uses his edges well to maintain that pace is that kind of where you see him is like a yeah he's a decent transition player but he really needs to work on his you know once five man units are in a zone yeah definitely uh you see these flashes of him you know you can burst through the zone and then all of a sudden he gets into there and he is kind of like a lost puppy right um I, he just doesn't really scan his options well enough he's kind of he finds like the first thing he can and he sticks to that. Um, and like once a gap closes or once the shot's no longer available, uh, he's kind of just kind of stuck there and physicality comes to him and he's going to lose the puck plain and simple. And then it's kind of just like, he's kind of often resorting to plays that are a little too simple. Like I've seen him just uh, pass the puck right back to the point after making like a nice move and then just running out of space and it kind of just makes like a lot of like really good things that he does uh, just kind of makes them useless to an extent. Um, but if he can just work on that again, just he'll have to add muscle. There's no way to get around that because I mean he's he's five ten, which is not like 
obscenely short, but just the lack of muscle is not going to allow him to really make moves against men, uh, be able to play along the boards at all. He'll have to do kind of everything in open space, and that's not really going to cut it. I mean, you got to put him on that Tage Thompson diet, right? Didn't he come back like <laughs> hefty in like a good way um, back to, to camp this year? And then he obviously did what he did this season, if I'm not mistaken, or I think Darlene threw on some weight too. So, yeah, I yeah, mean. It's a secret to being a positive war player is just adding that weight. That's right. That's right. There you go. I mean, just bulking season creates positive war. I mean, I think we've just kind of solved that right now. So um, anyone looking to hire, uh, we're, we can consult. Um, but <laughs> let's move on to the last per- – I mean, I don't know. Do we really want to talk about Steven Sardarium? Because technically didn't, he's a Russian player, but he played in the USHL this year, and he was like, what, I, like a half a point a game for yeah, what, Youngstown? I forgot about that guy. Yeah. I yeah, I didn't say I watched him at all. <laughs> yeah, you didn't watch him either. I didn't. I mean, I was looking him up because I knew he was obviously drafted out of Russia, but he came over, and he's going to be going to University of New Hampshire – this season or next season? Uh, I believe it's this I season, think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe even next season. Like he's got like a wild. Yeah, he has a very well, interesting I trajectory. Believe, I can't believe he even got drafted. Really? Yeah, so, yeah. I was. I didn't care for him. I, I thought he was fun, but yeah. Care for him. I mean, I remember. I remember um, Jerry. Uh, oh, what's his name? Starts with an F. Um, Jerry he's like Gordon. Yes, thank you. Um, my God. I remember watching him and he was talking about we need to have this Sardarian conversation because we all love this kid. I remember that. Like, that's exactly what he said. And, like, the Sabres published that. So I'm sure they were, like, really high on yeah. him. So to hear someone say, like, I didn't even, I'm surprised he got drafted. It's like, oh. I mean, but they, that's the same thing that they've done that in, like, middle rounds before, too. Matteo Constantini. You could have drafted him in the seventh round. And that's nothing against Matteo. Awesome for him. Super glad he was able to get drafted by his hometown team. That's sweet. But at the same time, like no one else was probably going to take him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, mean, kinda... I think the best part about that Sardarian pick was definitely like in that like Sabres behind the scenes video where they called him and it <laughs> yeah. went to like that weird like spam Russian <laughs> yeah. voicemail thing. Like that was easily yeah, and Kevin the Adams most was just like, thing okay. <laughs> it was that was great. Um, so yeah, I mean that's Sardarian. I mean, just he's definitely a project kind of player. So we'll just. We'll dress him maybe next time Dylan's on here. But um, let's get to the last one, which was, I mean, at the start of the year, this was the big story because it was before the, you know anything was really going on. Nikita Novikov, man, he got some games in the KHL. He had 32 games played in the KHL with one goal, three assists for four points. And remember, this is like a really big defensive defenseman Russian, so obviously he's not going to be putting up a ton of points, but he's still super young and for him to put up that, I thought it's decent. He only had six penalty minutes too. I don't, I don't really think it's like too big to, to harp on. I just thought in 32 games to only have six penalty minutes, especially as like a, you know, someone that's probably adjusting to the league a little bit, maybe doesn't have the fastest feet. So you kind of, you know, make up for it by throwing your stick into someone's hands and hooking them a little bit or something like that. Um, I thought that was pretty impressive. So uh, before I, you know, start, you know, blowing this guy up and saying he can be a top four defenseman, what did you see from him this season, um, if you saw much of him? And where do you think his trajectory has changed, if at all? Uh, yeah, so I mostly saw him uh, in the two World Junior games uh, before they got canceled. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really impressed there. Uh, he wasn't really doing like a, much to like really warrant like keeping a, a keen eye on him. Right. Um, but I caught him a couple times in the KHL as well, and it he did play 32 games, but 
he wasn't really getting a lot of ice time, especially against the better teams. Uh, he was mostly kind of that seventh defenseman substitute going in to give an extra defenseman a, a longer shift uh, or a longer break from a shift. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's all just kind of comes down to the size with him. I did notice he was playing a little bit stronger this year compared to last year, which is good. Uh, watching him last year, he was kind of just like he looked like a like a string bean out there. Uh, he, he had long long limbs, but he's not really going to be you know playing the body. Uh, but moving up to the men's league, it obviously was the right move for him because he's definitely been improving on that. Uh, he still isn't super proactive uh, breaking up plays in the defensive zone. I've noticed. I think that does come down to just a lack of agility um, for a player of his size. It's not too unexpected uh, and something that he can definitely grow on if he just gets stronger i think he'll be quicker you know laterally moving uh being able to catch up to guys a bit easier uh, but overall i mean he had a he had a pretty solid year for you know being 18 years old just moving into the khl kind of adjusting slowly but surely um yeah I, i'm not I, haven't, I wasn't always super high on him i don't think i am still now um uh, I feel like he's still gonna be more like a if he if he makes it to the NHL, I think it's gonna be like a bottom pairing guy at best. Just kind of uh, since he doesn't have that offensive upside, he can make the defensive play, get the puck out of the zone, and that's all you kind of want from him. Just be the big physical presence that you can throw out there with a guy who can you know maybe push a little bit more offense and just let him do all the dirty work, kind of. So, um, w- would you say he has a like if you're taking an average of I don't know just like defensive defensemen uh, that were drafted last year. I know that's really starting to narrow it down. I'm just trying to get a sense of like his, and and I've I've started to um, not like this term more and more, but how is his hockey sense? Like, is he, how is his positioning? I know you said he's not great about breaking up plays in the defensive zone, which is concerning because if you're going to be a defensive defenseman, I want you to be really good at defense and be in the right position and to be essentially kind of like a quarterback in, in a sense. Um, obviously, you're not just going to have a defenseman just like barking out orders like your Draymond Green sitting in the paint. But, um, you know, what would you say that's a strength? Where Where is he with that? Because I think that's, you know, you can kind of get away with some of the, the skating and agility. You can kind of get away with, you know, not having a ton of offensive upside. But if you don't have that defensive mindset of, proper positioning at all times and like you mentioned breaking up plays that that worries me because if you're going to be a defensive defenseman like i said you got to be really good at defense oh uh, yeah i definitely think he's good at kind of reading plays and seeing where he needs to be it's just uh like i said it's just getting there is the hard part for him uh and all, i mean it's all kind of linked to kind of how his puck moving ability is as well He's just kind of solid average. He's not like stand out at like reading plays, but he can make them. So it's kind of, it's not like super high a caliber. It's not something that like I've noticed and like really pounded the table for, for him, but it's kind of solid. It's what's kept him in the KHL. He can, he can read the plays. He'll see where he needs to go. Um, you know, he can close down guys on the walls. He can move over to, you know, take up more space. He already takes up a ton of space, so it's not like he needs to move a lot, typically. Uh, it's just kind of using that reach more. Um, but I just think that he needs to just kind of do that, like I said, use, his, use that reach more, um, because I think he can break up a lot more plays if he just kind of plants himself, doesn't make the wrong move by, you know, going just like jumping to one side. Just kind of stay where he is and then use that reach and then be able to close the guy down. 
Um, so he he definitely has good potential to be a defensive defenseman. It's just kind of getting everything to click together, uh, and that's going to take some time for him. He's still super young. He, you know, he's still going to get used to being a very large person at a young age. So just give him a lot more time. I think he's you know six round pick. You're not expecting him, you know, anything from him anytime really soon. So no, for sure. Um, and you know, time is is all he has, obviously. So um, you know, obviously, best luck to him and. It's exciting to see that you know he got that that time, even if it wasn't you know playing a ton. I mean, you're 18 years old, you're practicing every single day against those kind of guys. I mean, like that's that counts for something. You know, it's not the same where you know they just wouldn't send down Tage Thompson, they just scratch him for an entire season. Like, I don't really see it as the same because like Tage was like 22 or whatever when that happened, but uh, or maybe 21 or whatever. But yeah, I mean that that pretty much covers it for the guys that were drafted um, by the Sabers uh, last season, or I guess pretty much all the Russians in there. Uh, in their system. A quick note on Ryan Johnson uh, came out a couple days ago. Um, Walt, that I guess he technically still hasn't made his decision, which I think we all just assumed he did, uh, that he was going to be going back to Minnesota, but I guess he didn't. Brock Faber uh, got traded as well. I think he's planning on going back. Um, but what is your, like, what's going on here? Like, what's I, I just assumed he was going back at this point. Like, what's he holding off of? Because the Sabres are saying, like, hey, if you join us, you're with, you're on the Sabres. So, like, I don't – I mean, is he really just deciding, like, do I just want to play with the Sabres for the next, you know, entry-level contract, then a contract or two after that, like, next seven years? Um, or do I want to pursue free agency? Is that – do you think that's the only holdup here? I mean, I think really with the Ryan Johnson situation – it's hard to really say what the holdup is. I mean, I know Brock Faber's defense partner is definitely like I think closer NHL ready than Johnson is. He's going back, and so like it definitely, and it it kind of makes sense for Johnson to come back in the sense that Minnesota's gonna be making a run for a championship, but it also does it in the sense that he's gonna be a senior and. As a Sabres fan, knowing that he's going back his senior year and could sign with anyone at the end of the season is definitely concerning. So, I mean, yeah, it seems like he still hasn't made up his mind yet, which is a little strange because usually we don't see college players make their decision at this late in the process. Usually it's in, like, April or May. Yeah, usually it's, like, two days after, like, their their loss or something. You know if they're going back or not, um, which is pretty quick. Um, so I mean, some obviously take a little bit longer, but man um i don't know that's we'll see what happens i guess i just i still think he's as good as gone same thing with portillo um you know it's just kind of my mindset um if they you know come to the sabers then yay but now it's time to to start thinking that they're no longer part of the sabers organization who knows they could end up signing after next season if they go back to college but i don't know whatever but speaking of signing people sabers uh i mean they signed sean malone um which Hey, good depth for Rochester. I'm sure he probably would have gotten a call up to Buffalo if he didn't get injured last season. But Craig Anderson. West Seneca guy. West Seneca guy, indeed. Uh, Craig Anderson got re-signed. And, uh, I mean, I know they rolled out the red carpet for him. And what is he making, like 1.5 mil or something like that? Like, Yeah, that's unbelievable. He I mean, was like a sub-900 save percentage guy last year, and they doubled his salary. My, I, what I, I put this out on Twitter, too, where I was like, you know what? If they're going to sign Craig Anderson, fine. They essentially said they were going to do it before the season even ended. Fine. Yeah. The report that they're talking to Tokarski again, what are we doing here, folks? I mean, come on. I it, 
I'm not saying the Sabres just if they have like standard like just run of the mill goaltending, they're a playoff team. But like, I have a bad feeling that these guys are going to make some decent improvements this summer, and then you're not going to give them enough in goal. Where like, yeah, it's probably going to be the goaltenders that are are causing some of the issues. At not, I shouldn't say issues, some of the losses. And I'm you know, it's a team game, and and a lot of goals that go in, you know, could have been prevented if you know someone on the ice did something and a lot of times goalies bail out players or whatever I just I don't know man you just can't do it with Craig Anderson and Tukarski again I like them both yeah. as people and players just fine or whatever but you, you have to move on UPL seems like he's almost going to get boxed out with just like that, that statement I mean what's going on here and then we will be getting to, to to close everything off I'm sending Walt and Dylan to talk about everything about the NHL draft, I will bow out because that is your area of expertise. But Craig Anderson, Dustin Tokarski, goaltending situation in Buffalo. Walt, take it away. Dylan, you can jump in too, but um, we're just uh, we're coping right now, so you're just going to have to give us a second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, poor Dylan. He probably didn't expect to hear about Dustin uh, Tokarski on this episode. Right, yeah. But, I mean, I, I guess we'll talk about the one guy that it seems like there's a lot of smoke with the Sabres potentially drafting him, maybe at 16th overall is uh, Danila Yurov. I know he wasn't the highest uh, Russian forward prospect on your board, but I was just wondering, like, what you think about his overall game, and I mean, like, kind of like how difficult was it to evaluate him this year with him not really getting any meaningful minutes outside of the MHL. Oh, he was high on my list to start the year and that was really due to his uh u18 last year and that trying to watch him this year was very difficult uh because like you said he's getting no minutes in the khl at all and they're not they you know weren't sending him down to the mhl and so my thing with him was uh if i'm trying to show someone a game of Danil Yurov that you know describes how he plays I wouldn't be able to find one this year because every single game he's either playing just, you know, three shifts or they're just setting him out in a different role. Um, so whether he's, you know, just being a checker only, you know, killing time, letting other players on his team rest, or, you know, maybe sometimes he gets a couple shifts in where he can actually play offense and try to do stuff there. It was, you know, it's hard to evaluate that. Um, and then just looking like development wise, uh, he basically wasted this draft year. Not, I mean, not, not him himself, obviously, but you know, the team not giving him chances, you know, kind of devalued what he did. Um, but mostly in the MHL, I was still disappointed by what he was kind of doing there. Uh, there was promise of his game, um, just the strength that he has, the speed, uh, the ability to find gaps and skate into those. It was just like. He can do it well against MHL players, um, but he's just not still. He still just wasn't doing enough of it. He was cheating for offense a lot. Um, the production was good, but he was kind of doing a lot of beating up on bad teams. Um, which you know, when you get down to the bottom of the Eastern Conference in the MHL, it's terrible, terrible teams who do not know how to play hockey at all. And so, if you can score against them. You know, it's good, but he's just not uh, doing enough against the better teams for me personally. Uh, he's still a guy that I have in the first round. I think he finished 22nd on my list. It was just the slowly moving down. Um, there's the questions about how he's going to continue his development. Is he going to get playing time next year in the KHL? 
there's a chance, but I'm just not sure. They have a really good roster next year as well on that Magneto Gorse team. Um, so I'm not sure he's going to get a lot of chances there again unless he's getting, you know, substitute and very limited fourth line minutes. Um, so there's just so many questions about his game that I wouldn't really draft him until the second round if he's there. Is he? That sounds like a Sabres pick. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> is he a is he your highest ranked Russian in your rankings? Uh, no, he's third. <laughs> okay, all right, there we go. Yeah, That's, I mean it's a hot take. Um, the when we do our meetings uh, at Elite Prospects, I I brought that up that he was my third, and they they were they're very shocked to hear that. But uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not very high on the upside with him. Okay. So I think the guy you had, I believe he was like fourth in your final rankings. Uh, Gleb Trikazov. Uh, tell us a little about him. Like what what makes you like so high on him as a player? And I know he's not really projected to be selected till the second round, but I mean, what what do you really like about his game? Yeah, so he's probably one of the smartest players in this class. Um, you know, behind Shane Wright, probably for me, he's probably the second one there. Uh, he's just a really strong playmaker. He's super young, and he's been developing incredibly well over the past two seasons. Uh, the jump from last year to this year was huge, and then the jump from beginning of the year to the end of the year was also huge. Um, he was in the VHL for a little bit, uh, played you know a handful of games there, and he looked like one of the best players on that team. He didn't produce spectacularly well, but the team was kind of weak in general all year. Um, and he was doing that uh, with third line minutes there, so not really given a ton of time to prove himself. But he was definitely you know, playing a hard game up there, uh, forechecking very well, which he didn't really have to do in the MHL. Because like I said, uh, you don't really have to be a very strong forechecker to do well in the MHL because defenders there are not smart. Um, but he, has, he was actually manipulating guys there, uh, taking advantage of, of space, um, and you know, closing guys down on the forecheck. And then with the puck on a stick, he's at the start of the year, he was very worrying. <laughs> uh, he looked like he was trying to kill his teammates with his passing uh, just as hard as he could, aiming at the shin, <laughs> trying to injure <laughs> as many people as he could, uh, which I believe I said that was his strategy to move up the lineup in the VHL was just injure all of his teammates with his passes so he could play on the first line. Uh, and it didn't work at the end of the year in the MHL. played uh, most of his games there. Um, but he just plays a very smart game. He's a really, really dangerous passer. He has an incredible shot. He, like, it doesn't even look like he should be able to shoot the puck with how, like, kind of weird his mechanic mechanics are. He's all arms, which is, it's funny to watch, but you, the effectiveness speaks for itself because he can just, he rips them so powerful, so accurate, doesn't need any time to get it off. The one touch shot is incredibly good. Uh, and I think that he's just that really high upside player. Um, I think the one main worry I have with him is that he's probably going to take more time than you would expect from a player that like someone to have ranked as high as I do. Um, but I'm aware that's going to be like more of a slow development he'll you know improve every single year i feel and then finally make that big jump to the mhl uh, or to the nhl and uh you know just give him time in the khl if he needs it or try to sign him as soon as possible which i think is probably the move 
uh, get him over here as soon as he can, uh, get him into the AHL right away. And that's mostly just because um, uh, the avant-garde Omsk, I can't think of their name. <laughs> They're not very good with playing their young guys. Um, they have, they've played Arseny Gritsuk this year as a devil's pick. And outside of that, it's all kind of veterans. So it's really tough to get into that, that lineup. So probably just get him, draft him wherever you need to. He's probably going to be falling, who knows, at this point, fifth, sixth round. And you're going to get a high, high potential player. And you can get him over North America as soon as you can. Nurture him, do whatever you need to do with him. And he's going to be a really solid player, in my opinion. So quick yeah. question before yeah, Walt I think... keeps going into stuff. I, I apologize, I just wanted to interject. Um, is what, How big do you think the, the Russian factor is going to be this season um, as compared to, to other seasons? Because obviously what's going on over there and and you know the the strength of competition they will be playing in the future is not only about you know um, you know the things that are bigger than hockey, uh, but it you know there are hockey implications too. I just wanted to get your thoughts on you know how big that might be, and could we see you know guys with first round grades really starting to fall hard, or is it maybe specific players that would? Um, just wanted to get your two cents before you and Walt you know keep going. Uh, yeah, I mean it's really hard to say. Obviously, I don't have great insight on what NHL teams are thinking. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I do know that there are teams. I there's like I think in the double digits that have said that they're going to completely avoid taking Russians. Um, obviously, teams like the Senators uh, and, and the Sabers in the past don't really have a high track record of taking them anyway. Um, but it seems like that number's shot up, and I'm. Again, I'm not totally sure like how they view it, what their what their thought process is on how they're taking them now, but uh, we're definitely going to see players drop this year. Uh, guys like Yurov and uh, Ivan Maroshchenko, uh, they're like the two main first-round caliber guys that have been talked about all year. I, you know, it's hard to say even see them get taken in the first round now, uh, Yurov especially, and so it's just it's all very confusing. It's hard to you know keep track of like what the teams are really going to think about the players, but it's just that you're going to keep it in the back of your mind now kind of thing. Um, Cause we got, there was obviously that time when like there was the quote unquote Russian factor uh, in the past. And then, you know, everyone kind of moved on from that and now it's back again. So it's just something that you have to think about. You don't really expect them to go super high at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, just looking at the past, uh, Russians drafted the NHL. I mean, like 2009 only had seven Russians drafted in the whole draft. I mean, the past few drafts have had 20 plus, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see like how much the Russian factor plays a role here. I mean, maybe we go back to like those uh, early 2000s drafts, like the 2003, 2007, all that, and we see like only a few Russian players getting drafted and not. Uh, I know one guy who probably will be hearing his name called is uh, Ivan Roshnichenko. And I know, I mean, he's been he's been a top prospect for some time. I mean, I know he's kind of dropped off this year. I mean, obviously because of the cancer, but his play was starting to drop off a little bit before that. Uh, he's obviously another difficult player to evaluate uh, just because I feel like it may have been hard to tell like how much his illness has affected his play this year. But, I mean, what do you think about Mirosh Nishenko? I mean, what do you think about his projection going forward? I mean, do you think he has 
the potential to be like a 30 goal scorer in the NHL someday? Oh yeah. With him, it's been the hardest to get a grasp on. Obviously the difference between him and Yarov is Yarov just wasn't playing and he was playing, but we don't know how much of it was affected. And it's just hard to look at it as a full season for him. Um, he like watching him before I knew anything that was going on with the diagnosis or anything. Um, I wasn't impressed. Um, and even going back to last season, I wasn't really super impressed by him there. Um, it's, he doesn't, he doesn't think very well on his feet. He's kind of just a hammer. He'll get the puck, shoot, get the puck, shoot wherever he is. He'll just shoot it from there. And he does have a great shot. Um, but it's just something that he's got to kind of manage more. He's got to work on the shot selection, uh, reading his options more. Um, right now he's kind of just a one dimensional goal scorer, kind of easy to close down. If you know what he's, you know, if you know where he is on the ice, you can take away the shot and he kind of, you know, has, he has to work a lot harder to figure out what he's going to do next. Um, but just projection wise, it's, so up in the air um you know he hasn't skated in however many months now i think like five six seven um so you know that's obviously gonna have a major impact and then how he plays next year is going to be uh you know probably more grain of salt kind of just a bounce back year um i i've seen like with Rodion Amirov this year, who was also diagnosed with cancer, uh, the play the play did slip with him as well. Um, kind of noticed that he was losing, you know, a step of pace. Um, so things like that are obviously bound to happen, and it's just kind of be how he bounces back. Uh, he'll obviously have to put in a lot of work, so it's gonna be a slow process for him to kind of get back into the flow of things, uh, get back to where he was, like what he was doing internationally because I haven't really seen that in his league play. The tournaments are where he kind of got his name out there, and people saw him as, like, you know, the fourth guy behind uh, Wright, Savoy, and Lambert, you know, a few years ago. Um, so just very, very confusing for him. I don't think, you know, taking him in the first round is the smartest move. I don't have him in the first round for, like, my rankings, but... There's obviously tools there that are really enticing for NHL teams. The strength, the shot, uh, the skating ability is all is all pretty solid. So it's just kind of how those outside factors are going to limit him moving forward. Um, so there's a lot of risk to this pick. Yeah, and then I mean, I guess the last thing I want to touch on in terms of draft prospects is uh, the 2023 class. Uh, I know, I mean, the big Russian prospect coming out of that class is Matvey Michkov. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on him. Uh, how good of a player do you think he actually is? I mean, do you think he has like superstar game breaker potential, or do you think he'll just be kind of a top player in the league, but not like an elite type player like we've seen with like your Crosby's, Ovechkin's, Matthews, McDavid's? Uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm not sure if you saw or not, but I posted some early 2023 rankings and. Uh, Matthew Mechkov is ranked 10th for me right now, which is not where people were very happy to see him. Um, and I I don't know with him. He's very 
play from behind the net and he lacks physicals. He's not an elite skater. He doesn't have elite hands. Um, it's all like, he's a very confusing player for me. <laughs> I feel like I, all these Russians are very confusing because it's, it is like looking at the MHL is very difficult um, just because of the lack of quality in the league. And he's just getting dominated physically. Uh, I watched, I most recently watched him in the playoffs against uh, Krasnaya Armia, and they're a super, super big team. And he just gets shut down by big players. Uh, and with so much of his offense coming from behind the net, it's really difficult for him to get anything going when he can just easily be closed down. The good things about him, is I've noticed a lot of good playmaking habits. Uh, the goal scoring to assists uh, tallies haven't really supported my opinion of him being a bit more of a playmaker than a finisher. Uh, but I think that does just come down to he does shoot a lot, and he has a really good shot, but he loves to just shoot from like behind the net or completely parallel or parallel to the net, like all in that area. And it's so, so bad to see uh, just wasting opportunities. He'll, you know, he'll make a really nice move, have, you know, one on one on one and he won't attack the inside. He'll go around, stick to the boards and shoot from the corner. And if I'm looking at an elite talent, he needs to be, doing more than that. He needs to be getting at the highest danger chance possible uh, because he's not playing defense, um, which is fine. It's probably more coaching than anything else. Just let him get the puck and he gets points. So he can cheat on defense a bit more, um, but it's just when he gets the puck and he's out in front of everybody or there's like one guy left, he's just not getting the most valuable shots. And, with how much of his offense is being is coming from being gifted space or you know on the power play, it's really hard to see that translate to the next level. But again, he has an elite shot that he can build off of. He has good playmaking habits. It's just um, right now I'm not seeing a top three pick with him. So I'm it's a hot take. I love it. it. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say you're so you're a Bedard fan. You're you're gonna go oh, yeah. Bedard over him. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that uh, man, this is everything I could have ever asked for. Um, I was so <laughs> excited for this, and it's just not going to out of the yeah. park. So, um, I mean, I could keep going all day, but um, I think the only last question that I really have um, this is just more for fun. If you just either gut feeling, or if you had to put money on it, or whatever, who do you think the Sabers will take with the ninth and sixteenth pick? I don't really care about the one later in the first round, but. Um, those two, if you just had a feeling, inkling, I know this one's going to be a wild one, but um, I don't know if you have a, a like a good feeling about a, a certain player at a certain place that uh, the Sabres should snag, uh, now's your time. I, I just posted a mock draft with the Sabres. And yeah, I, so, I had yeah. a, yeah, I'd hear a check at nine and Ogren at 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really sure that those will be the picks. I feel like I just have that feeling they're going to take Marco Casper in the top 10 which is, I mean, it's whatever. I don't think this draft is, you know, extremely strong. So if he's your guy there, you know, you can get a, that high motor player. I feel like they're going to take him at nine. And for 16, I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like Ogren could actually be the pick there if he's available. I really like him. So that'd be a solid, a solid pick at 16. But maybe they go defenseman and it's like Mate Chucker, Porchinski, perhaps it's one of the two WHL defenders 
I don't know. I think Casper at nine would be the the strongest bet I'd take, and then sixteen is just kind of who's off the board, you know. It's, it's I've been trying to figure out who's going to go where in this draft, and it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, it's it it seems impossible for like a, a most of the drafts. Some of them like really shake out to a pretty solid like accuracy percentage, but man, this one just seems. <laughs> all over the place i've seen so many different names um all within the top 20 it's it's crazy so um just to kind of you know piggyback off what you said you did post that um looking at it now it's a full you know draft that you did with them um if you want to go check that out go to twitter and he is at griffing dylan uh so go give him a follow if you aren't already if you aren't already i don't really know what you're doing uh, but now's your chance to redeem yourself um, I think I usually try to leave last statements or anything like that. And in this case, will be like last question to Walt. So he is on the clock. Um, again, I appreciate all your time. This is awesome. Definitely looking forward to, you know, hopefully having you on again in the future. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely see, uh, you know, who the Sabres pick at 9 and 16. And if you nail a few, uh, I don't know, we'll have to do some kind of prize or something like that. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Well, you got something to uh, – you got any last questions for uh, for Dylan before we uh, end uh, this uh, 13th episode? I mean, I guess I also kind of wanted to plug the Elite Prospects draft guide too. Oh, uh, I just downloaded that a few weeks ago, and I think it's incredible. I mean, a lot of detail and other stuff. I mean, I feel like I'm always learning new things about prospects with that, and I love how it's like – they kind of like those like dynamic like smaller players more. I feel like a lot of draft guys you get they're like, oh, this guy's gonna be elite because he's six six and is big. But I mean, I feel like the elite prospects draft guy just brings a little bit more than that. So yeah, definitely uh, check out that draft guy if you get a chance. There's so many, so many words. So literally anyone who your team drafts, there's a a great chance they're gonna be in there, and you can read all about them. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be breaking those down after the draft as well. Um, we'll, we'll be pulling all those kinds of resources and um, really breaking those down, and that's going to be the first place we start. So looking forward to that. Um, again, Dylan, thank you very much for joining us, man. This has been awesome. Um, like I said, been looking forward to this for a while, um, and we'll be looking forward to the next time we can chat again here on the Sabermetrics podcast hosted by the Charging Buffalo. We'll catch you on the next one.